John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 446.IS4804, certificate number 22352. Eyebrows. I love your eyebrows. We'll call them Frida and Color. If Brooke Shields married the Groucho Marx, that child would have your eyebrows. I mean, obviously, I'm spectacularly ill-equipped to be an authority on this subject. You and me both. I don't know if anyone should listen to what I have to Or maybe maybe that's not true. Well, I don't know anything about whiskey, and neither do you, but it didn't keep us from doing an hour and a half on it. A universally acclaimed 90 minutes of <laughs> hardcore, deeply researched whiskey content. But it's we've gone on record many times, and it's part of, I think, our collective identity as, as uh, the hosts of Omnibus, that we have... Uh, coloration which is to say our or our, lack thereof our pigmentation of both our skin and our hair or lack thereof is it can be best described as no no color non-color really. it's just sort of a kind of gray when you close your eyes pink pink and gray that weird beigey color you see but it's a gray pink i'm that, that all the time that's what's sad is it's not even a rosy pink it's just sort of a dead do you think the first guys to see like the alien grays were just, just actually seeing some very pale, just some white person, just some Welsh, <laughs> just some Welsh guy whose hair is the same color as his skin exactly? Uh, you know, I'm I'm starting to go gray, and it, if anything, is giving me a little bit more color, because I've gone from the color of wet sand to the color of sand that's between the wet and dry zone on the beach. So it's like. <laughs> It's a little. So in this analogy, death is perfectly dry sand. Like that's where. Yeah, I'm, death is, or, or you know, dry sand is what I'm headed your toward. Desiccated corpse. I well, used someday, to be wet sand. But that'll be a good look, is what you're saying. You're gonna look. You're gonna leave a beautiful corpse then. Oh, inshallah. Open casket, please. You're gonna be a distinguished silver fox. The problem, though, that we're experiencing right now is neither of us have eyebrows that you could see if you were standing further than five feet from us. Right. And eyebrows are a main way that a face shows expression, that a face distinguishes itself. Pliny said the soul lived in the eyebrows. Yeah, see. And that's why. Yeah. Because it's it's such a so much going on. But though but there's nothing going on in our eyebrow. And now I have a mustache 
Or do you? Like, from, from five feet away, you don't. It's enormous, right? I mean, you, you got out of your car, and I was one car length behind you, and I was like, does he have a mustache or a beard? I Both? Know. Neither? And yet, when you get up close, it's like, oh my God, it's a woolly sweater. It's just exactly the same color as the rest of it. I said to the technician, uh, can you clean that up a little? And your face went, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> and then I could see you had a mustache and stubble now. Enormous mustache, though. It's, you know, I, I, I grow like it all the way out, just trying to make it visible. It's so frustrating. And I'm vis- I'm actually jealous when I see, you know, a great set of eyebrows. Yeah, me too. You know, like Peter Gallagher, you could see his eyebrows on Google Earth probably. Well, or, and, and know, Kardashian eyebrows. You know, women are always saying to me like, oh, my eyebrows, are like they're so big. And I'm like, they're wonderful. Like I envy your eyebrows so much. Why would you do anything to them except let them flourish? Your forehead is a wonderland. Yeah, let them go. And they're like, oh, I have to do all this work on my eyebrows. Uh, eyebrows are work. The you know our our patriarchal, shameful patriarchal attitudes toward eyebrow care will be a part of this. Yours and mine. Comprehensive. All I want is larger eyebrows. Oh, there was a girl that used to go to Stellar High School in Anchorage, and she had platinum blonde hair, but big black eyebrows, dark eyebrows. I was so in love with her. I never could talk to her. She was too intimidating. So the hair was not, it was the Madonna look, right? Leave the eyebrows? Leave the eyebrows. Leave the hair, leave the eyebrows. Uh, Yeah, leave the cannoli. (laughs) They were big (laughs) cannoli-sized eyebrows. Such a cool look. You can't say that about Madonna. That's a little racist. That she had cannoli-sized eyebrows. You can't compare Italian-American facial features to to different shapes of, of pasta or pastry. Hmm. That's a, that's just a rule. Is that is that like an omnibus rule see, yeah, or is no, that like a global rule? That's like Miss Manners. If you see Dean Martin wearing a bow tie, you can't be like, "Hey, nice farfalle." <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's offensive. Yeah, sure. Okay, a, it'll get... start a do the right thing type pizza riot. Right, another pizza riot. <laughs> you don't want another. God, they pizza happen riot. all the time now. I mean, that didn't happen to be. I mean, it just happened to be a pizza place. Dean Martin's eyebrows were more rigatoni, right? You right. know, like but like squid ink rigatoni. I was just thinking if he was actually wearing a bow tie. Oh, I was extending the rule to apply to Dean Martin surely yeah. has many, many bow tie. He pictures. probably did, but you wouldn't compare them to Farfalle. That's a, that's I, an ethnic. I wouldn't have. <laughs> be a weird thing to think <laughs> or say until you <laughs> until you put the thought in my head. Also, my lifetime didn't overlap with Dean Martin's that much because he, you know, drank himself to death fairly young. Not only is Dean Martin often in a tuxedo, but there's actually a brand of bow tie called the Dean Martin Black Linen Bow Tie. Is it like at a jaunty angle? Uh, no, it's just a regular like tie, a bow tie kind of tie, which surprisingly harder and harder to find. Like a oh wait no it's pre tied. What kind Ooh. of world are we living in? Well, if you've if you've if you've had a few. Had a few bow ties or had a few... Had uh, a few drinks. Had a few gin martinis. Like like Dino at, at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. You can't tie a bow tie before you head to the club. It's the one thing you can do super drunk is tie a bow tie if you're a man of distinction. So he died when I was in college, but uh, I was wrong. He was actually 78. Yeah. Oh, he made it all the way. All the way to seven. Is that what we mean by all the way? I mean, do so you... 78 years yeah, old. If somebody <laughs> dies at 78, you think, you, exactly. you think they made it. Exactly. Right? But I didn't know that was... He made it all the way. What do yeah. you do when somebody dies at 79? He made it all the way and just kept going. Good job. All the way plus one. Another Infinity year. plus one. <laughs> the, um, the reason why I was thinking about eyebrows this week is, uh, have you ever, because eyebrows have a strong cultural component as well. Oh, yeah. they, they vary in time and in space. Eyebrows are a four-dimensional solid. 
Okay. Like the Tesseract. <laughs> okay. Have you ever noticed, um, have you see, ever seen like a Japanese movie where there's unusual eyebrow care? Oh, yeah. Like there's to, a lot going to on. To connote pre-modern Japan? Yeah. Big, big like eyebrows that are swept up on the ends and extremely, there's a lot of waggling. Sure. Waggling. Yeah. You got those male kind of enhanced kabuki Yes. Eyebrows. I think I think those might be borrowed from the Chinese. I'm almost certain. Uh, Just like Japanese gardens were borrowed from the Chinese. There's a you know, and, I, the, and, the, and the kanji alphabet. I was. Lo- <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. What are you, else? Are you saying the eyebrows are based on the kanji alphabet? Can you spell things with your? If you've got big, I bet you could. I was looking into Sanskrit. How they, you know, San, the Sanskrit alphabet, which is used. You're looking into it. I was looking into it. I was it. thinking of buying a Sanskrit. You know, I'm just, I had a broker. <laughs> uh, lots going on with the Sanskrit alphabet. It's oh, used yeah? a lot in different ways besides just writing Sanskrit. What, what else would you do with it? Write other languages. <laughs> but with a weird alphabet? Uh, well, with Sorry, that, not that weird. <laughs> with a different alphabet. <laughs> uh, the, the Chi- I, was, I found this uh, chart of Chinese eyebrow styles kind of connected to different historical periods and it's a it's a journey it's uh it looks like i mean it looks like you're choosing weird eyebrows in um you know kind of a funny police lineup game or one of those little toys where you can draw in magnetic filings draw weird eyebrows yes like they're almost on they almost look like comic mustaches they're so crazy everything Uh from from blobs to parabola to big swirly ski jumps um, the, like, the, like the language uh, used by the, the squid aliens in, um, exactly in the one movie. Also a four dimensional construct. Yeah. The, uh, the ones you're, th- you know, kind of the long angled ones that you're kind of thinking of, you know, slightly Star trek in appearance, those were prized in China because they resembled the little tendrils or whatever you call them on the bottom of moth wings. Oh, Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? On, yeah. on swallowtail moths. So those were called like the immortal moth. And it was a really... It was a, a sexy look. It requires that you shave up on the ends of where a normal eyebrow would be, right? It's kind of like a handlebar mustache. And maybe beyond. A lot of these look drawn on. And that's what I noticed about these Japanese ones. When you watch a, when you watch a Japanese movie set in feudal times or even, or even older, because I think this goes back to the Heian period, you're likely to see a look where the eyebrow, the woman with, uh, the owner of the eyebrows has... No evident eyebrows where eyebrows should be. Yeah. And then high up on the forehead, like pretty close to the hairline, a kind of a, a blotch or a smudge, which... Oh, yeah. Ca- okay. Do you, can you picture this? Yeah, I can. Like I, I thought s- you were talking about chola eyebrows that don't, uh, <laughs> don't resemble any kind we'll, of eyebrow either. We'll get, we'll get into those oh, as okay. well. No, but these are... So the, it's the same thing. They've been plucked and redrawn, but instead of, instead of a very... Uh, kind of finely stenciled line. It's kind of a quantum cloud of eyebrowness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, sure. It's just su- a, like a, a suggestion of an eyebrow that's not where an eyebrow would be. Like you'll see this in, um, you know, Kurosawa samurai movies or uh, um, I've been watching a lot of uh, of Japanese golden age movies recently because I discovered that the Criterion streaming service has a lot of the works of Mikio Naruse, a, hmm. a Japanese director who 
you know, at the time was considered the equal of Ozu or Mizuguchi or anybody, but whose work has like never been available in the West on home video. Uh-huh. What percentage of listeners do you think are super into obscure Japanese directors of the fifties? Probably a surprising. Do you think it's like a hundred large number? Probably like a hundred percent, right? I'm not sure about a hundred percent, but I think of the subcultures that exist within the futurelings. Super fans of Japanese cinema, probably Listen, not the smallest. If you like Yasujiro Ozu and his uh, fables about changing mores and family life in 1950s Tokyo, let me commend to you the little-known work of Mikio Naruse. But if you watch historical Japanese movies, people, the women will often have these uh, kind of misplaced eyebrows. And you, even... Um, I think in Spirited Away, have you seen the, mm-hmm. the, the Ghibli movie, Spirited Away? Like the yeah. bathhouse workers also have no eyebrows where they should be, but they've kind of got these black ellipses drawn yeah. up towards their yeah, yeah, yeah. hairline. Right. This is called Hikimayu. It's a, uh, you know, I finally had seen it enough movies to think, look, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Why is this retelling of Macbeth have, <laughs> have smudged eyebrow ladies? Why is Lady Macbeth's eyebrows way up there? Historians are not sure like really? what the what the aesthetic reasoning is because it looks a little bit odd. You know, today when you see like a very thin, exaggerated eyebrow from a different historical period, you think, "Oh, I can see what they're going for." That's like an idealized eyebrow, but this just kind of looks completely alien to us. Um, it may be because it was stylish to wear a lot of white powder on your face at the time, and so if you're going to powder up your face. Um, you know, if you're redrawing your eyebrows, you know, a single kind of blot blot is easier than a a look that could turn asymmetrical or, or could go wrong. I mean, it's certainly no weirder than the Elizabethan, like, shave your hairline back to a straight line between your ears. So that's kind of the opposite of this. I mean, there's, um, well, let's, let's start going through time. Let's start marching chronologically I love, through. I love it when we go through time. <laughs> Sherman set the Wayback Machine for the Neanderthal period. I mean, it's often said that, you know, you could see a, a Neanderthal in the New York subway system, and, you know, many of us probably have. Mm, and I've if, been one. And if they were just, yeah, you've been, you are, you are the Neanderthal in this scenario. And if you were to pull your Mets hat down over your, over the top of your head, nobody would know because the main physiological difference is that, that flat head where Neanderthals are just not thinking about, um, Japanese film of the 1950s, all the higher functioning that you and I have available. Right. And then they've got that big brow ridge right above the eyes. Right. Where they're thinking about the things they see. They're thinking about nothing in there. That's well, just yeah. bone. Oh, is it? All, was it all bone? It wasn't like prefrontal cortex? Some amazing, weird uh, yeah. <laughs> part of the brain that sticks out like the brim of a cap. Sonar. <laughs> yeah, that's how the Neanderthals echolocated. Ding! It's amazing they died out because they were really good at not running into trees in the dark. <laughs> Uh, it, I guess the the scientific point of view on that brow ridge, which really is just bone, a, a stripe of bone, is that it must have been structural. Like we ate tougher foods back then, so we had to, so we had to soften s- it up by banging our heads them, on it. <laughs> stick them in your eyes. I think the idea is that the chewing required to eat, you know, raw meat and gristle off the bone. Needed a counterbalance? Yeah, it needed what? like you really? needed like uh, trusses elsewhere rawr, in the head. Rawr. Oh. And it, on the face of it, this sounds ridiculous. Let's let's be honest. Because I'm about to discredit this theory. On the face of it? <laughs> above, slightly above <laughs> the face of it. Um, or just maybe uh, 
you know, there's there's a gap there between the the optic stuff, you know, the the eye cavity and the smaller, flatter brain. And so, you know, nature just filled it up with bone. Um, but in 2018, some scientists that's ran... Nature, that's how nature works. Nature's like... Nature's nature like, abhors a vacuum. <laughs> that's exactly it. But it loves putting a bone <laughs> in a vacuum. Nature's a perv. Uh, in 2018, some scientists actually ran computer models on Neanderthal skulls. They like... They took out the brow ridge and put it through their paces, and they're like, nope, the skull is perfectly fine without this brow ridge. There's oh. no structural purpose we can see. Thank goodness for science. Thank goodness for 3D computer well, rendering of Neanderthal skulls. How would we have been able to, to continue to advance? Oh, oh you said never computer. say Never say the C word. Um, how, you know, yeah, like think about how life was before we knew that Neanderthal skull bones were not necessary. And then life after we knew that, I mean, it's a big difference. It might, maybe it was freeing. You could just say yeah. whatever you could be like, Oh, it's for chewing. Yeah. And people, and, so, and the students would be thinking that makes no sense. Chewing happens like way South of there, Yeah, but they would just have to nod and be like, wow, well, yeah, he, he is a leader in his field. Think about, think about how your forehead aches when you chew. When I chew a lot of gum, I get a headache. Yeah, but that's where your mandible that's hits true. your knee bone or that's whatever. True. That's mandible. That's mandibular. Mm-hmm. Um, so these scientists concluded that it can't have anything to do with the structural integrity of the skull. That early hominids actually had a big brow ridge for the same reason that because it was sexy, basically. Whoa! For the same reason that stags have antlers. Yeah. It's signaling. It's like I'm a male and I'm a dominant male. Yeah. Look how angry I look with my with my brow jutting out like this. Do you think Neanderthals fought by banging their foreheads? <laughs> the way stags do? Yeah. Almost certainly. Would they'd sit on the other side of the campfire from one another and run and like wham. I want a retelling of Bambi where <laughs> where in the spring where he starts to get a little bit horny. You know the part of Bambi where he gets horny? Oh yeah. That's they, they say Twitter painted, because in nineteen forty you couldn't just say Thumper is horned up. I, I, that, that stuff's all uh, been excised from, from the version of Bambi we watch around here. You watch a version where Took they- all the sex out. Thumper and Flower don't get girlfriends? No, they're not even in it. That's, that's probably true. Because, you know, the one thing about that movie is the skunk is almost certainly gay. Yes. And then he gets a girlfriend in act two and you're like, come on. It's a- uh, Flower, this, this forest is a safe space. You, you don't have to pretend. You can call me Flower if you want to. The young prince can call me Flower. I, uh, I feel like my lack of eyebrows is compensated for with a, with a, a, a strong brow. I, I mean, thought you were going to say sensitive lyric writing. Well, that too. But, don't, you know, don't you feel like sure. I have a kind of, you know, if I were going to have to brow joust, I think I'd equip myself against all these. Like, Do you have like, a sense that it's really thick? Well, yeah. I mean, I, could think, I think so. There's so many soft-browed people in this modern age. I am always surprised when I bonk my head on something really hard, and I'm like, "Wow, it, that worked!" Like I, like that's the most important part of my body in there, and it's fine. I'm still thinking things. Uh-huh. Like, good job, skull. <laughs> nice work. So the idea is, this shows permanent dominance. You don't have to always be doing an angry expression if your brow is is. Yeah. Comes pre-growly. Although there is some chicken and the egg problem where presumably we associate a growly expression mm-hmm. with dominance because of oh. of alpha guys who had it. I don't I don't know which direction that goes. Right. I mean if you think about an animal that does not have much of a brow, it's a chicken. 
But then... <laughs> that famous saying, <laughs> if you think of an animal that doesn't have much of a brow, you know what? It's chicken. Chicken. Right, right away. <laughs> Every time. Although, you know, Sam the Eagle has a has maybe the biggest brow in all the Muppets. Of all the birds, he has the most brow. Yeah. Right? In the in the bird kingdom. Yeah, right. More than an ostrich. Eagle's got a big brow. Chicken's got a little brow. It continues the, th- the theme. Dominant predator has a has a, a large brow. Chicken gets eaten because it it can't look at you funny and scare you off. Um, I do like this idea of recasting uh, like media properties instead of bringing Hamlet forward and making it into a hip hop opera mm-hmm. or hip hopera, a hip opera. We uh, we take Bambi, but we relocate it to Neanderthal times, <laughs> right? Like just start doing, start taking all of the Broadway hits, but make them like prehistoric. Just a super modern movie, but like like redo the French Connection, but it's set in Roman Empire yeah, times, right? Or or earlier, or earlier. Yeah, why not Sumeria? Why not? Sure. I mean, that's what Kurosawa was onto when he was doing like Macbeth and Lear in feudal Japan, but he, it was more geographic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 He wasn't like, let's put him in caves. I don't want to, I don't want to do our elevator pitch here because somebody's going to steal it and take it to Hollywood. You know, you're in Hollywood now. We should go down there together and make this pitch to somebody at, at uh, Sony. Patty Chavsky's network, but instead of a TV station, it's set in a California gold rush newspaper office. Okay, I like it. Uh, <laughs> Imagine everybody opening up their uh, Fresno Gazette and seeing, I want you I'm to get up and go hell. to your window. <laughs> uh, How about the China Syndrome? Set in medieval China. <laughs> They're like, if this, if this bonfire gets too big, it could sink all the way through to here. Uh, you know, we've, we, we've alluded to the fact that... Um, the forehead really is one of the most expressive parts of the body. Yeah. And that's probably why the Neanderthal forehead went away and why they all died out. Because we, we, when I say we, I mean we, Homo habilis or whoever. With the conquering, <laughs> the conquering race. I really take a lot of pride. <laughs> I mean, if people are going to say we to refer to their local football team. Yeah, why not say we why to, not? <laughs> to all of Homo sapiens? Good job, Homo erectus. <laughs> way to take out the Neanderthals. Um, so why? So they had... Their their large brows were not expressive enough. Yeah, to- I mean, if you've got a big wedge of bone there, you can't express surprise and bear, you know the millions of things we can express with our eyebrows. Many of which are very deep rooted. Like it's right. it's almost a reflex that when you recognize somebody at a distance, to this day you will do an involuntary thing with your eyebrows, and that's a that's evolutionary biology. You know that was that was a way to to signal friendliness to somebody when you saw somebody from your tribe or pack at Open a Open your eyes a little bit or raise your eyebrows. Yeah, like the mo- here's the most visible part of your body. And, yeah. you know, there's got to be hair there or else eyebrow wrinkles are not apparent at a distance, especially on faces like yours and mine. Um, but, you know, I have, a hev- I have heavily lidded eyes, so when I do open them, it is like, whoa, You, you feel happens? like you could do it even without Well, I have to because I don't there. have them and people do. Wait a minute. Do people not recognize my emotional state, not because I'm cryptic, but because I just don't have any of the I thought I was re- I thought I was a repressed white man, but it might just be my eyebrows. What if I'm making facial expressions that are, would be totally identifiable on Groucho Marx? Take a Sharpie and do some experimenting. I did that. I took some electrical tape once and put <laughs> eyebrows on and, and walked around the house for a day, like, like kind of making expressions with my eyebrows to see, but it, but 
But exaggerated eyebrows don't work if the rest of your face is the color of wet sand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the fact that we have hair up there. Who does? The fact that we. You and I? <laughs> barely. We do. It's just the wrong color. And I, I hardly have any. I don't know. You don't have any. I look like. I mean, barely any. I look like. Uh, I think I've said Richard Gephardt on the show before because that's a reference the kids love. <laughs> I, my eyebrow look is. Uh, young kid who turns out to be a Nazi in cabaret. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's too blonde. If a if a thirteen year old had your eyebrow as a mustache, he would be he would feel ashamed. He would be mercilessly picked on <laughs> in gym class. Um, so like the fact that there's hair up there does have some other purposes. I mean, it it catches sweat rolling down your forehead and Barely. other. A little, yeah. Again, you and I don't have as much of this as Brooke Shields, but right. but you know, the idea is it evolved maybe to protect the eyes from some of the gunk that might fall into it. Oh, I see. But I think the scientific consensus now is it's mostly just for signaling. Like, er, I'm going to look mean to this uh, member of a different tribe. Oh, here's the nice tribe that found the monolith with me. I'm going to do the nice thing and and look sympathetic with my eyebrows. Did you teach your children well? <laughs> They're parents hell will slowly go by why don't i know the words to this song <laughs> seems like we should maybe if we were singing in uh, like four-part harmony we would we would know um did you did you ever give your kids eyebrow advice in terms of how to use their eyebrows they both have eyebrows because your wife has eyebrows yes luckily my brunette wife means my kids both have, even though they're blondish, yeah. they have better eyebrows than I do, which is not hard. So did you ever give them eyebrow coaching? That is not a thing. Well, because uh, I have coached my daughter on- How was she misusing her eyebrows? <clears throat> oh, no, 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 she wasn't. Oh. I just was. I, I just sat with her one day and said, let me show you some things you can do with your eyes that communicate uh, like mutual, you know, mutually understandable things that are not- spoken. And she was like, okay, go ahead. And I said, what is this? You know, it was like one of those flashcard things. Like, what is this emotion? Except you're not testing to see if she's a neurotypical. You're, no, no. I was just like, you're just trying to broaden her repertoire. Yeah. Like check this out. And she was like, oh, and I said, right. So if I said something that you thought was dumb, what would you do with your eyebrows? And she kind of waggled them. And I was like, well, what if you did this? And I, you know, did the, the quizzical one, I slight Eyebrow up. You can cock an eyebrow, right? Oh, yeah. I see. I, I use it a lot. I can't do it. And then there, there are so many ways to cock an eyebrow. You can kind of go, hmm, and you can go, hmm, and you can, I mean, there's a lot. You, I probably have 14 different ways to raise one eyebrow. I wonder if my problem is not, I wonder if I had better eyebrows if I could do it. Like, I wonder if it's not a musculature issue. It's just that you can't see hmm. anything I try to do. I mean, I was jealous of it as a kid because you could see Mr. Spock do it. Yes. To great effect. Yes. And you'd be eyebrow. like, that guy, you know, that was a funnier button on the scene than any racist thing Dr. McCoy could have said, you know? <laughs> and all he had to do was raise an eyebrow. And I could not do it. I watched myself in the mirror and I couldn't do it. And, you know, just the other night I was watching myself on Jeopardy and I was doing an intro where I was trying to do a very kind of serious look. Mm -hmm. And because I can't do the little, the kind of one eyebrow thing, it did not come off as arch or quizzical all just looked like i was like maybe slightly in pain uh -huh. or smelled something weird <laughs> and i was like i gotta remember not to do that face because my eyebrows are not doing what what they would do in my head yeah i think i have enough of a brow that i pull off the uh 
I pull off the raised eyebrow thing just because it contorts my face. Yeah, I have good. a lot of lines on my forehead. That's good. Uh, Jack McBriar, who For plays Ken- Kenneth Parcell on uh, 30 Rock, he has a very expressive set of, he probably can do 40 different emotions just by raising his eyebrow and kind of manipulating his forehead. But I think his eyebrows are drawn on. <gasps> I mean, you know, like like painted, I, because he's very blonde. You're right. And I think that they put, they put uh, whatever mascara in. Mine there. do on Jeopardy. They 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 draw your eyebrows on a little bit. I mean, they 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 kind of fill it in a little. That's cool. I don't know. I always wondered. You know, back in the nineties, when when uh, everybody was exploring different, like, oh, maybe I'll paint my fingernails. Maybe I'll get an ear stud. Maybe I'll put a ring in my. By eyebrow. the way, that time did not end. Oh, you I just got not. old. Yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, it just got it weird. It started right? in the 90s. But, but I thought for a while, like, what would be wrong with me just using some eyebrow makeup? You mm-hmm. know, everybody, like millions and millions of people paint their eyebrows. Why not me? But I think it was that I just, I could never, I would go to the beauty aisle and I couldn't choose. You'd have to gradually phase it in also. Yeah. You don't want people to suddenly see you with fake eyebrows. Well, you go, you go on vacation and you come back and everybody's like, wow, you look so tan. And then... You got a new eyebrow thing that you're doing. Oh, uh, yeah. You just make sure you leave town for a week. Yeah. And then you keep doing it and, and people just accept that it's the new you. Ed Begley had, um, Ed Begley's character on Arrested Development had alopecia. And he would always, he had, so he had these big eyebrows. Also true of Mike Nichols, by the way. I didn't know this till I read the Mark Harris book. Mike Nichols had, um, had, a, had a, a childhood cancer scare that meant he could never grow hair. So he was always wearing fake eyebrows his entire life. And, uh, but the the comic thing on Arrested Development is the guy's eyebrows are always just askew or going missing or moving around his face uh, in upsetting ways. So there's a, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of downside to to eyebrow uh, reinforcement. Well, the uh, the Joe Pesci character in JFK, <laughs> right? Uh, who, what was that guy's name? The Kennedy uh, conspirator. It's not Clay Shaw. That's um, Tommy Lee Jones. The other guy is is it an Italian name? Yeah, I feel like it. Um, oh, David Ferry. Ferry. Yeah. It's a lot in the nose. Yeah. But he had weird eyebrows. Uh, he also had a kind of alopecia, and he wears a wig and fake eyebrows through the whole movie. You never think about that. Like, you know, having to put on a wig every day, hassle. But think about having to fix eyebrows. Like, every time Mike Nichols goes out to Sardi's. He's got to put his gotta, eyebrows he's on. He's got to put, like, gum resin on his face. I just I feel like it's the it's it's one of the the gendered um like concepts that it's that you know two guys sitting and going like can you imagine having to glue your eyebrows to your face and all of every the, woman listening yeah, every woman listening is like come on Listen, are buddy. you kidding me Yeah there's a lot of uh the 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 historical trends in eyebrows really are not as easy on women as men uh in patriarchal societies um cuz we only think of our eyebrows in Every once in a while, when we realize nobody knows what our emotions are, <laughs> but but is that like, why men are emotionally repressed? Maybe because we don't have good eyebrow care. But I mean, every woman in my family, I have heard about their eyebrows many, many times over the years. Every woman I've ever dated, I know more about their eyebrows than they know about me. Any part of you? Any my whole personality? <laughs> any, anything in your biography? <laughs> um, the interesting thing about the human forehead to be evolving flatter so that it basically becomes a billboard. A, yeah. It's a billboard. 
Like imagine, you know, we uh, Neanderthals had, were a little razor phone, a little flip phone with a little screen. And then as it sort of evolved away, we became smartphone forehead people with much better, with high def screens with, uh, what did they call that? What did, what did Apple call that? Retina or oh, re- uh, cornea? Re- yeah, what, right. what did they call their? Retinals. Uh, not, the scan, not the scanning thing, but whatever their higher resolution yeah. screen was. Um, and this is the same kind of process that you see in other species, interestingly, when you domesticate them. When Ooh. you when you turn a European musk ox into a Hereford cow, or when you turn a wolf into a dog, not with a witch's spell, but with when with you say a, when when you say you, you don't mean me. Yeah, when you do this, when you, <laughs> is this not something you wanted to try? I don't know. I have never thought get, about turning a musk ox get into a, musk a Hereford ox cow on the internet and uh, get to work. Um, you know, you, you what happens is their appearance gets friendlier to the. Uh, to the appearance of other mammals, you know, like dogs have flatter faces. Wolves have kind of that long, aggressive muzzle. Yeah. Dogs will often have flatter, cuter faces, bigger, waggier tails and floppy ears. So, so uh, you're not saying that, that these traits are bred into them because humans think this is pretty. You're saying that by the virtue of hanging around with humans, this is like a, like a global signifier of friendliness. As you make them smarter and better companions, their their appearance gets friendlier to other mammals oh. because the you know the same signs that we're taught that our brains tell us to interpret as friendliness go hand in hand with you know reliable companion, good good goat herder. Yeah, um, comes when I call, and that's the same thing that's happening to people. Like we're basically self domesticating ourselves from our hominid ancestors. As our faces get bigger and bigger and goofier and woo. So our lack of eyebrows maybe is a signifier yeah. that we would be great goat herders and are fine companions. We're more friendly than yeah. people with mean eyebrows. Yeah. They're, they're, they're evolutionary throwbacks. We're like almost to the to the ladies in the tank and minority report. <laughs> yeah. You know, just big, doughy, hairless blobs. Yeah. When I look at your face, the my first thought is, I bet he knows how to use Excel. <laughs> When I look at your face, I'm like, are my eyes actually focused? No, wait, they are. So as you move forward in human history, now that we have this broad canvas above our eyes um, for nature to paint on, people very quickly, societies very quickly start giving nature a hand there. Right. Um, In ancient Egypt, for example, you know, they had a super famous eye look that people still still replicate today. Like... uh, (laughs) A very elaborate, you know, they would use coal, K-O-H-L, which I, I didn't know this, not related to coal or charcoal. It's not carbon-based at all. Is it etymologically related? It must be. Yeah. It's, um, it's but the mineral that coal is ground from is actually stibnite, which you've probably seen if you've ever like looked at weird crystals or rocks in a, in a mineral collection at a museum. That's an Amish tradition, right? Stibnite? Stibnite. We're part of the Stibnite uh, (laughs) Synod of Lutheranism. Uh, So, yeah, right. Okay, so it is a ground mineral. But it's like like this kind of gray, cool, crystal-looking thing. Right. Um, That appears in Egypt, must must be. Yeah, and Stibnite, in fact, is mostly antimony, which is why, to this day, our periodic abbreviation for antimony is SB, because, you know, the Latin root was Stibnium. And it actually looks like... I wonder if our word for coal comes from 
you know, Central Asian works words for, or, you know, uh, Middle Eastern words for, no, they appear to be, it appears to be parallel. The root cool. for coal appears to be burn or to shine or to glow, you know, because you light them. From which, from an Anglo-Saxon, from yeah. a German? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually, you know, you get, a, you get, you finally get back to Persian and Sanskrit, but I'm not sure if that's related to coal, which actually comes from the same Arabic root where we get alcohol. You oh. know, it, it's the mm-hmm. all, it's the all prefix on, uh, on coal. Anyway, so they would grind that up and put it, you know, Cleopatra on her eyes and... Uh, so you're saying this goes back to 3000 BC. Oh yeah. I mean, Cleopatra would be extremely late, but this is thousands of years old. Um and we have a story, you know, and it, the reason why the Egyptians put the stuff on their eyes, it was thought to be medicinal. It was thought that you wouldn't get eyes. Yeah, you wouldn't get eye, you know, with styes or whatever if you had this stuff on your eyes. And of course, the same reason football players wear it to, you know, to keep the harsh Egyptian sun from reflecting on you. And, and this was men and women using uh, coal? Mm, yes, but mostly women. I think in, in most of these historical cases, yes, we see artistic suggestions that men did it too but most of the eyebrow um fashions were women and you know it's a it's a relic of a time when women were seen as decorative and men were seen as functional but all of the like tutankhamun stuff i mean the the magic eye well how is how is this related to the evil eye too (laughs) like putting curses on people well you know i think in ancient times like the uh like all those pharaonic I, um, emblems. Yeah, the I was the symbol of Horus. So you're also um, suggesting the lineage between the pharaoh and the gods when you give prominent eye imagery on their, you know, whether it's their sarcophagi or on their actual eyes. Right. Um, when you see uh, coal mentioned in other ancient sources, like in the Bible, coal comes up, but it's always associated with like loose women. Okay. You know, like Isaiah or Ezekiel will be like, oh, Jerusalem, you've run after strange gods. And then immediately they're always like, just like a loose woman who would wear blackened eyes to seduce her her uh, targets or whatever, you know. So very, very early on, we see this idea that, um, you know, eyebrow fashion is important, but also <laughs> look out. What, what kind of woman would actually care don't, that don't much? You know what I so mean? Far. Why is it seductive? It universally is. What is it about blackening how, the eye that is? I mean, the real question is, is it how much is cultural? How much is innate? Well, but it, it, it se- seems to be almost universal. Yeah. And I, and, and uh, I think it would, you know, a lot of makeup, um, Makeup it, always adds it, contrast, right? Well, and it imitates youth, right? Yeah, that's the true. rosy cheeks, and but you don't think of children as having. They do have big eyelashes, I guess that's but they true. don't have sunken eyes. I was or, just watching this um, Chuck Jones book. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but Chuck Jones always puts like little eyelashes on his cute characters. He gives them oh, gives uh-huh. them chipmunk yeah. cheeks, oh, of course. And little one line of. And this, it's a Bugs Bunny cartoon where he remembers being a kid, and suddenly you see Bugs and Elmer, and they've got little eyelashes. And I wonder if that's what it is. It's it's the rosy cheeks of youth. Yeah, it's the joke of Nermal, the world's cutest kitten. <laughs> exactly. Nermal's got big eyelashes too. Uh-huh. <laughs> but so I think I think just like flat faces on uh, dogs make them sexier, <laughs> there's there's something universal about about uh, dark around the eyes that is it seductive. Seem, it seems to be in so many cultures, but yeah. then weird that it's not weird that less so in men, 
right? Right. So what is it about it? I mean, what, that, what does that it could communicate? Just, I mean, that could just be the layering over of men have all the power and don't have to do this. You know, like men can dictate what they like to see and women do not get to dictate what's easy to, or convenient to wear. You know, so the power imbalance reflects in. Well, and you, but you would think if, if black around the eyes communicated ferocity, men would wear it. Yeah. And it, so it doesn't, it communicates. Instead, we know that blue around the eyes, like in Braveheart communicates yes. ferocity. Yes. Uh, but even Pris in Blade Runner, even though that is a completely that's inartful an eye look. Yeah, but it but it's still we read it as feminine and sexy, even though it's extraordinary or you know, it's extreme. I wonder if that's just the if a beautiful woman does anything, it's a good look. Well, you know, like Daryl Daryl Hannah could get away with like a variety of crazy makeup looks that uh <laughs> that you or I and our normal looking friends of both genders could not get away with. Well, although I've seen I've gone to a lot of Halloween parties with girls dressed as Pris. Mm-hmm. And it, it it is a universal look. It, 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 it makes w- everyone look it good. It's good on anybody. I mean, maybe you have to be wearing a, a blonde shock wig. It doesn't too. make them all look like early Peter Gabriel. No, but he's an example of a <laughs> very sexy. There's a there's a tradition, there's a legend at least that um the ancient Egyptians used to shave their eyebrows in mourning. Like if a if a if a beloved family cat died, the way to signal your public grief would be to shave your eyebrows. But this only comes to us from Herodotus, uh-huh. who was sitting in Greece. And a lot of Herodotus, if you've ever read it, is more like, man, these other cultures be crazy. Like, <laughs> in the Sahara, they got ants bigger than foxes. Yeah. And they'll, like, uh, dig dig burrows and, and you'll fall in. He was the original gonzo journalist. Yeah, exactly. And he, would, he wouldn't even go to Vegas. He would just be like, yeah, in Persia... Uh, there's no doctors. If you're sick, you just sit in the street, and everybody who walks by is legally required to yell a diagnosis. Like, this is literally the kind of stuff that... I heard. That <laughs> in my, Macedonia. My friend's sister's cousins are going at 31 flavors with... Um, you know, China around the same time has these very elaborate styles, this kind of diversity of... of you know, like, like a... It almost looks like you'd go into a barber and... and Point at one of these and be yeah. like, "Give me this weird yeah, set give, of give me these eyes. set of lines, blotches, swirls, almost calligraphic." Um, I mean, maybe that goes with that that kind of ink brush aesthetic that the West did not have until we saw it in Asia. Um, there was another look that nobles in the noble women in the Tang period would have called Qing Dai, which was like bright blue green coloration in the eyebrows. Oh yeah, which we don't actually see much of. Like um, the ancient Egyptians would put bright non-organic looking, non-carbon-based life looking colors on their eyelids. Oh, well, so did women in the 80s and 90s. I mean, think about the crazy eyeshadow that was popular when we were kids. But not eyebrow pencil so much, right? Like In color, you mean? Right, yeah, in weird colors. No, somehow putting like turquoise eyeshadow looked natural, whereas turquoise eyebrows would have been really weird. It just shows how much of this is cultural. Like, we think, ah, there's something innately normal about this shape of eyebrows, but these Japanese smudges are crazy. But to a a Japanese woman of the Heian period, it would be the other way around. It would be like, this looks good and normal. Like, I'm on the cover of Marie Claire right now. I don't know. There's Some makeup clearly is trying to imitate or duplicate something natural in the eye, right? Eyeshadow is meant to make your, make the, like blue eyeshadow is meant to make the skin of your 
I lid look thin. Is that right? Yeah, like the blood the blood vessels would be visible, and so a blue. Are people with blue eyes supposed to do it, or are people with blue eyes not supposed to do it? Like, Boy, does, I don't know. Does it accentuate that the weird blue eye mutation? I know enough makeup artists that we should. There should be a phone here. And we should just call them up and say, what are you going for, did you know? Did you know Mindy's degree is in theater makeup? No. I guess it wouldn't have killed me to, like, ask her some of these questions. <laughs> yeah. Instead, yeah, instead, we will never know. You have an expert on hand, and in-house. In, instead, I just looked at, like, <laughs> Wikipedia and MarieClaire.com <laughs> for, next to her in for bed, 45 minutes. You're like, well, look at all this weird theater makeup. I wonder where this comes from. Well, you know, speaking of theater makeup, Night, I wonder if a lot of the impact that makeup is supposed to have is similar to what theater makeup does where at a at a bigger distance and in a broad variety of light conditions the face still looks like a face right because that's what you're doing when you redden your lips and you are you know you emphasize cheekbones and you you reinforce eyelashes and eyebrows you're really kind of telegraphing what the face does but at a distance yeah you know so across a room it might be like oh she has the Look at that. she has the showy features that I would enjoy up close, you know. So it expands the the diameter of your uh, uh, appearance, bewitching powers. And when you think about the different skin tones of people from around the world, right? There are a lot of differences in the in color and makeup and what what um, you know the tones, skin tones. Mm-hmm. But also there are similarities in what they're going for, right? The accentuation of the eyes, the the drama of the face, the youth, like, you know, a black skin tone is going to is going to use different makeup to communicate that youth, gold and pink. But like the idea of makeup is the same. There's no I mean uh, other than like ancient practice, right? The everything kind of settled down into a here's what we're going for. Yeah, kind of vibe. Even now in alternative, uh, you know, my my friend Christine, who does makeup in New York City, she does these incredible faces for magazines that are kind of nuts, like art uh, over into the realm of art. Kevin O'Quan kind of stuff, yeah. right? But still, yeah, I guess at their extreme, they're kind of obscuring the features. But that's that feels like very, very, very modern. Still and avant-garde. And that's avant-garde, why, you know, Pris yeah. is in the future, right? Like, right. Like that conveys something that makeup has not tried yet on our earth. <laughs> You've probably heard the thing about how um, people of color have a hard time in show business because there's very specialized hair and makeup knowledge. And, you know, talking to the the very good hair and makeup people who work on Jeopardy, both of them have long careers in TV and they've, they're all comfortable with um, and knowledgeable with, you know, a full spectrum of skin tones, but, but they are used in their industry to, you know, black performers being like, uh, I don't trust this white lady, you know, because, yeah, sure. you know, she, it's a very different skill set, you know? Well, all, everything in uh, film and cinematography, it's a whole different, you really need a professional. Right. Well, and and the fact that a lot of those conventions evolved around white stars, whether that's lighting or or makeup, and I think it's been like kind of shockingly and appallingly recently that. Um, oh, I still see movies that are made even now where it's like, did you not know you had a black actor on your in your cast? Yeah. Like, give me a break. The, my uh, my friend is uh, her name is Christine Sherbert. 
Her name is Christine Cherbonnier, and she works in New York and does, and I highly recommend. Is this a plug? I highly recommend everybody look at her work. Yeah, she's Yoko Ono's makeup artist. Oh, yeah, you told I me talk, this. I tell, but she's, she's a. That's a pretty good story. Good friend, yeah. Um, and her Instagram is awesome. Speaking of people of color, if you move in ancient times over to Persia and India, you actually get the earliest known centuries and centuries ago, you get the earliest known um, examples of threading eyebrows. Now, now I'm really curious because I have asked so many people, what is threading? And I get all these elaborate explanations that end up being like, eh. John, let me you mansplain to know. threading to you. Yeah. Okay. Like, why are you why are you pretending to care about so this? So there's a no, I'm very curious. So they they use a little they use like some some dental floss and they wrap it around the hair and pull it out? Essentially, you've got a cotton a piece of cotton thread, like a piece of dental floss, that's wound back on itself. And if you can imagine that being coiled at both ends, okay. you would have a you'd have a windy kind of helix of thread. I do this with every piece itself. of dental floss. Okay, then you're you're ahead of the game here. <laughs> okay. You All are right. ready to thread, you just don't have the now what I eyebrows do. for it. Uh, and if you watch a video of it, it's just it's miraculous because by kind of coiling and uncoiling this thread slightly at the hairline you're trying to um, contour. Yeah. Hairs just disappear, bloop, plucked out. What? By the follicle. And I watched this a super slow motion because I was like, I have got to get to the bottom of this. What is even happening here? And if you watch a super slow motion, you can see what's happening is that as the hair, as the tension in the double coil kind of winds and unwinds, um, as it moves, the little tiny hairs get wrapped around it. And by putting more tension on the coil, they just get popped out. And unlike tweezing, which is a hair at a time and requires... Um, you know, which you can't do to a little tiny hair. You've got to wait till the hair is long enough. Threading will make a super bold contour because you can do a whole line at once. You know, you can do, you can line the thread and do a whole row of hairs. It's super good at grabbing, you know, even little tiny baby hairs will get caught in the thread. And apparently it's often said to be less painful than options like tweezing and laser and so forth. So this has been happening all around me my whole life. And I just had no idea what was going Probably on. Probably more so now. I feel it's like it's more recent. Yeah, it's kind of caught on in the West. We'll go through the kind of the post 20th century makeup trends. And I don't know like when the first white person to try threading was, but probably in ancient times. But they were, it was probably, but they were immediately stoned. It was Marco by Polo. the rest of the tribe. It was Marco Polo. <laughs> he was like, give me, let me try that. First of all, these egg rolls are delicious. Second of all, what are you doing with that piece of thread? I do remember when I first started hearing about threading, and it was in the 90s, and I'm just ashamed that I didn't show more curiosity at the time. It was just one of a million things that people were talking about. Well, the 90s were were a pretty lousy eyebrow time, if you remember. Whew, we should, we should, gosh, we should talk worst. about that in a minute. <laughs> like, don't take your eyebrow cues from Gwen oh, Stefani. so bad. Um. Although I'm a, I'll, I'll ride for Gwen all day, but those eyebrows, no. Even today, I don't think she has those eyebrows. Even Gwen would not ride for those eyebrows today. Greece and Rome, uh, on paper, they liked kind of an all-natural look. Um, Perictione, especially Greece, um, Perictione wrote that the harmonious woman does not blacken her eyebrows. Oh, harmonious. The idea that it's, you know, it's a, a natural look is more in tune with, with nature. Um, and to to some degree, we think of the stereotype of Greek ancient Greek women having uh, kind of a monobrow, a unibrow. Uh huh. Um, in fact, that's not exactly true. Um, 
uh, I think uh, Anacreon and some other Greek writer, I'm not sure, when they write about the ideal eyebrows, they say that it's kind of a quasi-monobrow. What you want is the, the ideal of beauty for women is for their eyebrows to neither join nor sever. Oh. So they don't quite meet in the middle like Bert or Frida Kahlo. Right. But also they're not two separate arcs like like pretty much every Chinese look right. fr from from ancient times. Um they kind of blend into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly. I get it. Um and at the time, you know, because the the natural look was so big in in Greece and particularly in Rome, Ovid and Petronius both write about women keeping fake eyebrows in a little box like Mike Nichols, you know, and make goat hair, fake goat hair eyebrows and putting mm -hmm. them on with tr some kind of tree sap or resin mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. to have the bushier look that, uh, that was demanded at the fancy Saturnalia they were going to. I'm feeling this goat hair attached with tree resin vibe. You think you're going to start trying it? Well, I don't know. If you get really good at goat herding by virtue of self-domestication, the thing is, nobody cares what I look like anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm not do, making any public appearances, and I'm 53. Like nobody's. I mean, like, that's the main thing. Dress it up a little. You're you're a middle aged man. Nobody's thinking this guy needs to step it up a notch. Although, although that may be when you really need to. I mean, for a decade, I didn't wear t-shirts at all. Now, these days, t-shirts and a sweatshirt. You've given Who cares? Up. Whatever. If I ever see you with a like a t-shirt on a plane. Oh, no, come gonna, on. I haven't gone that far. I'm going to do a spit take with my Bloody Mary mix. <laughs> T-shirt on a plane with with sandals that I take off? No. <laughs> you already mentioned the kind of stereotypical medieval European eyebrow look, which is none. Yeah, right. Like, the shaved. They loved the forehead so much that like it was the standard of beauty. And the I, whoopee. And I was, exactly. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out why. Like, why was the... Why was a big... A big naked forehead, as good as you could get. And I see two different explanations, neither of which really make sense. I guess this one does. One is that, um, you know, you, we said that makeup is often a, uh, an attempt to replicate or emphasize youth. Um, so a shaved hairline is like going even further than that. And oh. like, I just want to look like a big baby. <laughs> Yeesh. Women would literally wear, you know, hoods or veils that would pull their hairline up. And if that didn't give them the, the ex broad, expansive forehead that the gentlemen crave they would actually pluck their hairlines even further back right um and you know they wanted that kind of pale that pale, you know they they wanted to be all one color the yeah. way you and i have naturally it's a shame that we are not Queens 13th century England. norman women yeah uh -huh. exactly um because I, they would they would even blan uh, blanch the color palette further by putting wheat flour on their face to whiten it they would put sheep urine in their hair um, oh yeah. 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 Just cause I, they're into that. I do that. Yeah. They're, they're freaky like that. I just want to say, uh, looking at, uh, images of Gwen Stefani over the years, her eyebrow game is on point so often. She really has the, the blonde hair, dark eyebrow thing that, uh, that plants crave. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, I don't, I, I won't, uh, I won't. I, I, I could we'll not say nothing possibly, bad about nineties eyebrows. I could not possibly say anything bad about it. It turns Gwen out Stefani. you just love the female eyebrow in all its infinite variations. In many of its variations. You're so I, you know, I love Gwen Stefani. That's just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. The uh, the other explanation I read for why uh, the blank for forehead, the tabula rasa forehead was so prized in medieval times is actually weirder. It's that um 
it comes from times when men were focused on the breasts. Can you imagine such a weird time when, when, the, <laughs> when the breasts would be the center of male attention? You mean and, contemporary and, England? And beauty standards. <laughs> <laughs> and as a result, the idea was you would dress and wear makeup in such a way that people wouldn't waste time looking at your face. It was, it was literally, theory is this? it was literally, my eyes are down there. This is like a, this is like some reference, scholarly reference work on beauty by a woman. But uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth was uh, right. wearing those enormous collars. Right. Her breasts were not. This does not stand for, I wonder if this is more of a French centric oh, theory. Wait, 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 wait. That's sort of a Louis XIV era. So it's literally, my eyes are down here. You but know, their like, faces were, you know, completely made up with white, the beauty the big mark. Spots. And, yeah. Yeah. When you get into Victorian times, that's kind of the that's kind of the beginning of um, in Europe at least. That's kind of the first exploration of a bushier, natural look that you you know you see today on on plenty of stars. Um, and I think part of it is a reaction to Victorian prudery. You know, like once again, it's like, well, you know, what kind of woman is coloring up her cheeks and, and carefully plucking her eyebrows. The wrong kind, if right. you know what I mean. She should be wearing black crepe <laughs> <laughs> because she's older than 21. Exactly. So if you're a respectable mother um, wearing black crepe at home and doing needlepoint, then you want kind of these thick, dark eyebrows. And in fact, the Victorians would darken their eyebrows. They would uh, boil walnut bark in water to make kind of a dark tincture or they would just take the water they'd been boiling potatoes in which had like dark starch in it and paint their eyebrows with that you know because you know to not have a big a big furry looking eyebrow was a little bit too sexy huh they would even um some victorian beauty guides say you should hold a needle over a, fl- a candle flame until it gets a lot of kind of waxy soot on it and then use that to draw in eyebrows, which is really not that different than what you would do today with microblading, you know, a little tiny kind of shallow. I mean, that's subcutaneous, but it's the same thing. Little tiny shallow lines to, to mimic individual hairs. And the Victorians were doing it at home with a candle. Uh, oh, oh, I see. Have you thought about microblading as a, as a solution for your blank brow woes, your beige brow woes? Maybe, you know, I, am I at the age where I should just start wearing a hat? I mean, I've always worn dark glasses frames. Mm. Partly to give myself some definition. I'm really jealous of your bad eyes. Yeah, you could. I could set you up with some some vanity glasses. Although I think you have too much integrity. But. I always notice when people wear those. You know, because you see them at a slight angle, and you're like, "Wait a second, that's just plastic." Those lenses aren't doing anything. Are there even lenses there? When we get up into the 20th century, the 1920s are kind of a watershed time for eyebrows. I mean, for two reasons. One. Makeup is now getting mass produced, so it's no longer, you know, it's super convenient. You can buy stuff in smaller quantities. It's more inexpensive. You don't have to hold a a needle in a candle. I mean, back, you know, literally just a few decades before, it was like you'd have to buy a a tub of something, you know, or a a roll of paper. Right. Walrus fat. So little individual brushes and tubes, lipstick tubes, you know, this was all an early 20th century trend. So makeup's more available to people and all the trends are now culture wide because for the first time there's photography, you know, instead of magazine, instead of reading a a periodical that would have pen and ink engravings, you know, a woman would see black and white photographs of other beautiful women and would immediately, you know, cotton to the looks that really pop in black and white photography. 
Um, so that meant dramatic eyebrow shapes that didn't rely on color or texture because you want something that looks good in a, in a magazine and in a movie. Like these are the first movie stars with showy eyebrow looks. Right. And pancake makeup and exactly. And, and it's exactly. really necessary there because they really are emoting without sure without sound. Like you really need to be able to see eyebrows raised and lowered. And so you get the kind of the Clara bow silent film look of really somebody plucking their brow bone entirely hairless and then kind of drawing on that kind of swooping arc. Yeah. And that kind of that goes on through the 30s, Gene Harlow. You know, the rest of the Hollywood era is kind of a, a slippery slope of you know, going from that, you know, early, I think like early Joan Crawford even has it drawn on. And she had some, you know, she had some all-time medal-winning eyebrows. But, you know, you look at her silent movies and they, they're doing that needle-thin. Yeah, 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 right. I mean, this is the longest that two straight guys are ever going to talk about Joan Crawford's eyebrows on a, uh, on a podcast. Yeah, maybe. But, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I mean, I, I can keep going. But the look gets more and more natural. You know, Rita Hayworth uh, is a redhead. So, you know, she's got kind of, you know, eyebrows not too differently from our color, um, but bigger and bushier and fuller. And that continues through Lauren Bacall. And then Marilyn Monroe has thick, darker eyebrows than her platinum blonde hair. And you finally get up to the 60s and Audrey Hepburn has, you know, these eyebrows are just getting to be more and more eyebrowy yeah. as, as the decades go on. There's, there's a couple momentary blips in this progress toward, I mean, I guess the end point might be the 80s with, uh, we already mentioned Madonna, but like those kind of big, the Brooke Shields ideal, yeah. the less cultivated eyebrow. That may be where, it, where, where I got. You think you're imprinted? Where I was on? deeply influenced by the, by the big, bra- big eyebrows. Because when the 90s came along and that return to silent movie eyebrows happened, boy, it was a shock. There were a couple brief ones before. Like if you if you'll imagine the mid sixties, you've got Audrey Hepburn on the one hand, but you've also got that Twiggy look. Yeah, where it's like we're gonna we're gonna react to everything about late fifties glamour. You know, these are not big Jane Mansfield curves in a sweater. This is straight line Twiggy, and she doesn't have the glamorous swooping Marilyn eyebrows. She's got these little throwback line ones, and it happened again during kind of coked up disco days you know if you can imagine like diana ross or somebody oh, like that okay it, yeah yeah with, with a much kind of thinner eyebrow maybe kind of going with the whole slightly androgynous you know david bowie thing where yeah there was there was a 20s revival in the 70s that's true too that was kind of a yeah disco had a little bit of a flapper influence yeah liza minnelli kind of thing and then you talk you're talking about the 90s um where suddenly everybody was drawing on kind of weird shapes even people whose eyebrows you know drew barrymore and we know perfectly well what your eyebrows look like but suddenly she shows up in a movie with these with these odd 90s brows she went drew barrymore was a real eyebrow uh thought leader (laughs) in the 90s her eyebrows were often really really drawn on we should start retroactively using the word influencer yeah she was an influencer marco polo huge influencer like (laughs) europe didn't have noodles and then hashtag hashtag pasta um rihanna she had a she had some real rihanna's got some great eyebrow looks i mean that's kind of a when you come up to the present um 
really bold. I think maybe because of threading and because of you know finally valuing um, a broader range of skin tones and facial types and hair textures, um, you now have a really some bold eyebrow options. You know, the kind of the the ideal today might be that big Kardashian eyebrow with the very highly defined lines, like almost too perfect to be real, but it is. It's got, it's, it's great Armenian eyebrow hair. They're doing good work. There's been such a splintering of fashion into a billion little Balkan uh, fashion zones that I, I wonder if the whole idea of there being a fashion is a, is a, um, is a thing we're just kind of clinging to because that's the only way, you know, right. like what is the fashion? I mean, because fashion magazines need there to be a fashion, right? And they needed to change every six months. And you, so, you yeah, know. you look at who's got the most Instagram followers. I guess that's the fashion, but of course, you can do anything now. You can wear whatever you want at all times, and you're you're immediately a member of a subculture. All it takes is five people in the world to 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 stick a pencil up their nose and it's a subculture. It does seem like a lot of these fashion shows end with, and today anything goes, yeah. who knows? <laughs> right. And it might actually be right. Just as you say, because of the splintering of the, of the monoculture. Yeah. Although I have no idea why that norm core thing lasted as long as it did, but I guess it's just anti-fashion laziness, laziness, same reason I do it. So basically any <laughs> eyebrow look works today. We're, we're in, even even yours and mine. Yeah. Well, no, I think ours still don't work. <laughs> Why are we once again taking it on the chin? We're the last people that aren't doing something to their eyebrows. Beige you and I, men, because of because of laziness and lack of comprehension, and also no one cares what we look like. And that concludes eyebrows. Entry four four six dot is four eight zero four. Certificate number 22352 in the omnibus. Future links. In the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, you will probably be listening to this show and referencing all of the future Instagram accounts of eyebrow influencers in they're, your own time. They're probably grossed out that like the dominant species on earth used to have little sprouts of hair well, in or, certain places. Or that we only had two eyes. Yeah, exactly. They probably have 40 eyes. Imagine whatever, you know, whatever tentacle spots or, um, uh, you know, lichen patches you use to signal emotional state or sexual availability. Right. It's just, it's some kind of phyloplankton. You know, they're just, they're photosynthesizing and they're like, no, I'm... Every time we say eyebrows, you think glowing patches of phytoplankton. When I say eyebrows, you say glowing patches of phytoplankton. On, on my carapace. And then <laughs> everything here will make sense. Even all the Gwen Stefani talk. I bet when people have, or when, I'm sorry, beings have like eight eyes... It will at some point be a fashion to put different colored contacts in each eye so that you have 16 different colors of, of light sensor, photoreceptor. Wow. That'll be such a cool look. Imagine a squid doing it today on that big eye. Just one Whoa. giant like purple contact. Whoa. Pretty good look, right? That's a good look. If they were out walking around. <laughs> uh, you can see Ken's and my... Uh, I, bad, bad coloration on the internet. 
Um, you can email us or text us at Omnibus Project on social media. I guess you don't email or text on social media. Whatever it is, comment, uh, at reply. Even if your screen has only two or three colors, we actually look like that. So at Ken Jennings, at John Roderick. Um, email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com and explain to us how wrong we are. About eyebrows. You can hang out with other futurelings and share your eyebrow experience, strength, and hope at uh, any futurelings group on Facebook and Reddit and the other places. TikTok. You can send us mail at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. If you want to send us eye makeup, please have it be unused. And, you know, bear in mind that you're compensating for our complete lack of pigmentation. So it can't be a crate. You can't send us like red eyeshadow. Keep in mind that even though John and I are the same color, somehow I'm a spring and he's an autumn. Yeah. It's very strange. We are, we are very, <laughs> very ash, but you have more pink. Actually, I don't know. I, I don't remember how those work. Yeah. The, the color me beautiful. Term. I'm not really at autumn. I can't wear orange. I don't know where, what I am. I'm a man. I'm a Gemini. 55744 Shoreline, Washington, 98155. And you can support the program at patreon.com slash omnibus project. Your contributions help us produce and distribute this show, and we appreciate your your support. So thank you. Listeners, from our vantage point here in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization and its fresh and sexy eyebrow looks survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. <laughs>